Welcome to Pierosa Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we're on episode 198. And this is kind of an interesting theme episode. Yeah. It's a rant. It's a rant for an hour and a half. Yeah. eBay needs to change. <laughs> okay. So it's not that bad. I, I, I don't no, know. It is that bad. No, eBay needs to change. Like, I'm not sure how you're going to title this. That's what I'm going to title it. eBay needs to change. See, I... I I want to be careful. I mean, we could go down the rabbit hole of how terrible eBay is, which I 100% disagree. I think eBay is like, without eBay, I wouldn't be self-employed. I mean, let's be serious. I mean, maybe I could swing it with Amazon, but Amazon, I I really feel like Amazon is just like, it's just too risky. With eBay, like I get to enjoy, I get to do the treasure hunt, I get to list uh, what I want, sales come through as long as I'm being active and finding the right things. So it's good. So I titled this one, 25 Innovations for eBay. So eBay, hopefully you're, you're listening and we're not looking to rant. I'm just messing around with that. What I thought we'd do is like talk about some of these and I don't think we're going to get to 25 in this episode. Yeah, probably not. And I and, and I probably have a couple to add that aren't even on this list that when we if we break this up into two parts, we'll we'll add some some bonus ones. Well, I think we're gonna it's it's being broken down. There's no way we're gonna do this in one episode. All right. All right. So it's the first time Orlando says that. Usually I'm the one having to convince him <laughs> that we're trying to cover too much content at one time or, or making the episodes too long, but but I think he's seeing the light. Well, I think I think uh, after after the after last level years. up after the last level up review. Maybe it's that um, I've been able to finally convince him through proper influencing of people. No, I'm just kidding. He, he, he's, hey, maybe, this is all him. Maybe. So I haven't changed what, at all. What I would say though is so we're also, it's, it's kind of a struggle right now getting people to interview for Q4. So we weren't able to log in uh, interview for this Sunday. So instead we're just going to do the part two. And then, hey, we're almost to the celebration of our 200th episode, except yeah. I think we're going to celebrate 201. Yeah. We're going to be different. Yeah, because uh, we're we're like it's like when your your odometer like rolls into that next thing. Like when you see a hundred thousand, it's cool, but it's a hundred thousand and one. That's like, it, I'm, yeah, I'm not like sure. Now, I'm pretty sure it's a hundred thousand. Now you're in the new like you you you're rolling into the two hundreds. You know. Okay, so we're gonna do a live two hundred and one episode. We're gonna have giveaways, and hey, there's no one we'd rather have as guests than our listeners, and so that's what episode two hundred one is gonna be about. Nice. So, okay. So with this, I thought we would talk about what we wish eBay could do or would do and then talk about what is the current fix. So I I don't want this just to be like, oh, let's just, you know, pie in the sky. Let's blue sky this and and think about all the good things that we wish eBay would do. Let's talk about also about what we're doing right now to make this happen. Because if it's something that we want eBay to do, it's obviously some things that we have to end up hacking our way to make sure it still happens. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's not perfect. It's not clean. Now, I will say, I'm just going to go with the top one. The number one thing, what, what do you think is the number one thing that most resellers wish that eBay would do? You're asking me as if I don't see it here on the... Uh... Well, okay. But even if you didn't, let, let's erase that from your mind. <laughs> erase it from the program notes. What do you think would be the number one thing that you, that people have said they wish eBay would do? Well, I think there's a lot of things. Um, there's a couple that come to my mind. Such a diplomatic answer. Yeah, but there's a few things that really come to my mind on this. Uh, but I know that, you know, looking at the show notes here, and one that, that a lot of people have brought up in our comments and uh, through DMs and stuff is uh, the immediate payment for um, offers, right? So when somebody accepts an offer, you send an offer to somebody, they accept it, immediate payment. And that's one of the things that, Poshmark does, and I think they do well, is if somebody sends you an offer, right? So they've they've sent an offer to you. They say, I want to buy this for $30. You accept it, immediate payment. It's, yeah, it's, it's the same thing on every platform. Really? Like eBay is the only platform that does not have automated payment. And if I look at, I'm looking at the comments here. I, it was, you know, require instant payment on offers accepted, something in Russian. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that was. Uh, Let's see. After an offer is accepted, it should be automatic payment, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. I wish they took fees after each item like Mercari. We'll talk about that. Uh, let's see what else. When someone sends an offer, it's auto paid, like you said, like Mercari. Just like Poshmark and Mercari, it should auto charge when you accept an offer. Uh, if uh, let's see, I think there's, there's, I'm just, I can keep reading and reading and reading. Here's another one. I wish that eBay made buyers pay straight away after an offer is accepted. Or an auction is one. Yeah, yeah, that has to be frustrating. The auction one. Yeah. Right. You waited all week. 
bids went up and then somebody's like, nope, not going to pay. Yeah. And that was my, my very first eBay experience oh, uh, trying really? to get back into eBay. Um, before we even started the podcast, uh, my wife sold, she had a Louis Vuitton like bag that she got from a family she used to nanny for very wealthy family. And so they got it from, um, it was like Italy or France or wherever they were at, like from the Louis Vuitton store, wherever that, I think it's France. Um, and so it was authentic. It had the, you know, authenticity card and we sold it for, you know, good money. And it was through an auction because it's the only way we knew how to do things. Yeah, yeah. So we did it through an auction and the person didn't end up paying. And so we tried to relist it and, and eBay wouldn't let us relist it because it was like too many high end items. And it's like, no, it's the same item. Like it's oh, this was like super brand new store. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it was like one of our first experiences. So the fact that the person didn't have to pay after they bought it and then we were then punished and couldn't relist it for like 30 days was a bit of a bummer. Um, but yeah, I think offers it, it, it may, one of the reasons why this would be beneficial other than just the fact that we want our money, right? Like the reality <laughs> is we want our money. Like it's true. We're, it, it, it's a business. Somebody buys something. We want the money for it. And I mean, maybe it's a good thing that they don't do this in a sense, because then you're not dealing with lots of returns or refunds. But the the problem is, I think buyers don't make serious offers. So an offer on OfferUp or Craigslist is kind of just a, you can just throw a number out there, like maybe they'll take it for this price and they could say, sure. And then you can end up flaking on them, right? You're not actually committed to anything. But the problem with eBay is somebody might see an item. Let's say you're selling a, you're selling a pair of shoes and um, they're looking for those shoes. And so they put out four offers, right? One of those offers gets accepted. Another one comes and, and they, they counter offer. Um, and, you know, maybe they find a better deal somewhere else. So they're not really serious about any of the offers they send out. Whereas if every single time they send out an offer, they kind of have to wait and say, if they accept this, I have to pay. It's going to make them more serious about the offers they're sending, which that's what we want. We want serious buyers. We don't want people who've put in offers on 10 of the same items across different buyers because then maybe, yeah, whoever accepts first wins. Well, maybe we could say that's good for competition, but at the same time, you, you're getting fake offers. You're not getting offers that have a lot of validity to them. So, well, it hijacks your listing too, mm. right? I mean, somebody had suggested, and I'll probably combine it with this one that maybe keep the listing live until the person pays, right? Because like right now I did have a scenario and it worked out, but I had somebody two weeks ago send an offer and they said, hey, can I pay you in two weeks? And and I was kind of like, uh, all right. I mean, this has been sitting for a while. I haven't had any action on it. Sure, why not? But I've had other times where it's something that I know I could have sold, like, you know, within two or three days. And instead, somebody ended up sending an offer. Now, I do have, and I'll talk about how to fix this the best way possible. I do have an unpaid item assistant that in two days, it begins to already start a case. Right. And, but this individual, they waited seven days. So during those seven days, I could have sold this money. I could have cash flowed it into something else. Instead, my listing is being hijacked. It would probably create urgency if there was a notification that told the buyer, thank you for your purchase. Please be aware the item is still on eBay's listings until payment is received. Right. Cause then people will go like, oh no, like I got a really good deal. Right. Cause sometimes we give a really good deal. Right. It might be a slow day. Maybe it's inventory. We want to move. And we're like, yeah, we want it. Uh, that's fine. We'll accept this deal. And it's the biggest disappointment when you accept that low ball offer and then you have no options. Like you can't cancel it. Right. And we'll talk about that later. Like eBay doesn't give you, I, mean, I wish there was a drop down menu, like low ball offer, cancel transaction. Like it'd be kind of nice, but it's super frustrating because, you know, you're trying to move that inventory. Now you're stuck. Now it's not making any movement. And you don't know about the market. You don't know if two or three days, maybe now you would get a better offer because somebody already had offered on it. So the solution, the fix right now is, do you have auto unpaid assi uh, assistance set up on your eBay? Um, I No, we don't. But And I think one of the reasons is we, we have a lot of success reaching out. Uh, we don't have tons really? of unpaid uh, cases. Okay. I would say every week there's like one or two maybe, or every couple of weeks there's one or two. So it's not like an excessive amount that we can't manage. And typically by sending a message to them and saying, thank you so much for your purchase. We'd love to ship this out uh, right away. Uh, so as soon as we see payment, we'll send it out. When do you plan on, on providing payment? And typically that nudges them to do it. And I think probably, and, and this might just be in my own mind, but I feel like by telling them, not threatening them with opening up a case or actually opening up a case, when they pay, I'm more likely to get positive feedback. Whereas 
And I'm not saying that you're automatically going to get negative feedback, but I have the worry of you open up a case. They're like, fine, fine. I'm going to pay. I was going to pay. It's only been two days. I just you haven't had send a them like to get I'm going to break in. your kneecaps if you don't pay. Well, yeah. So, but I mean, the fact that they have a case opened up against them, yeah. they, I feel like they're already going to be a little bit more antagonistic. So when they get that item, they're going to look at it a little bit more. They might be more willing to say like, wasn't as described or want to send it back. Whereas if you just kind of kindly remind them like, hey, I want to send this out. I'm at the office today. Um, if you send me payment by this time, I can ship it out. Otherwise, you know, let me know when I can uh, expect payment so that I can get this package for it's you. It's just time consuming to do that though. It is. But if you've got, I mean, I, I well, as have part time, I would have more time, but yeah. as a full-time seller, like, I just don't have time for that. Like, and, and it's multiple a week. I mean, I can look right now. I think right now I probably have like four or five. Oh no, I have two. Okay. So it's a lot of them closed. And actually today somebody contacted me and they said, Hey, I'm trying to pay. I can't pay anymore. I'm like, unfortunately, eBay already filed the case against you. Here's a new listing for you to pay. And guess what? They didn't pay. <laughs> Even though they wanted to pay after they didn't pay, they still chose not to buy the item. Right. And so the only solution I have for this, you can nudge them. Right. You can say, hey, by the way, I'd like to get this shipped out to you. And you could do it in a positive way. Like as soon as you pay, you know, I can ship it this afternoon or I could ship it by the morning. You know, my, my goal is to get this item to you as fast as possible. Right. But if you don't have that option, set up unpaid item assistant. Like I, I, I've, I did that. I want to say three or four years ago, once I went full time and I, I don't have to message anybody. And it's, I think it depends on how long you've been selling. I know some people have told me they don't have the two day option. I could be off, but I have a two day option. So, you know, if somebody ends up, you know, accepting an offer or sends me an offer and I accept it on Friday by Sunday, that case is already being opened up. And usually by then it's being resolved because I got to, I have to move inventory. I don't have time to wait four days, seven days. I don't have time to message people, but definitely use that unpaid item assistant. It's, it's a pretty nifty tool in order to figure out how to find that. Just go to my eBay account policies and somewhere in there, it should be there. Nice. Have you been getting a lot of the excuses? I mean, there's always excuses why people need more time, but I feel like recently since, you know, the, the pandemic started, I'm getting, I would say probably 30 to 40% of my unpaid cases. I get a response of I'm a frontline worker. I'm a nurse at a hospital working really? late nights. No, I'll pay you back. Nurse. I'll pay you when I can. And maybe that's because you're not like reaching out to them. Like I am like oh, asking, could be, like, could be. Uh, but, but I feel like I'm getting a lot of I'm getting a lot of like, here's my reason why. And I would say majority of the reason that I'm getting is that. And so uh, I don't know how much of that is, you know, like real versus people wanting like sympathy or empathy as far as like, oh, I get your situation. But I think if I'm reaching out to them, they already know that I'm I'm a little bit caring. and I'm not going to just say like, I don't care what, what's going on in your life, you know, but um, I don't, I, th I think typically it doesn't help. Like if somebody gives me a SAP story as, as opposed to, sorry, I'll pay you by, by Thursday. Um, sorry, it's taken so long. Like both of those are going to equal the same to me, but one of them kind of says like, are you just like hoping that like, see, I'm the other way I've, I've gotten soft. And cause I got one recently was like, I need to pay for my mother's funeral expenses and then I'll pay you. How do I respond to that? No, <laughs> you know, so, so I agree. I'm like, whatever, you know, no problem. I hope everything goes well with your mother's funeral. I'm sorry for your loss. Just pay. And they did. But I thought that was a little TMI too. Like, but that's what I mean. It's TMI. So if they would have just said like, I, I, I'll pay within the end of the week or by next week, yeah. you, you, I don't, are you going to treat one over the other differently? Like, I feel like I'm going to treat both the same. Like if somebody just says like, I need more time, here's what I'm going to pay. Either you're going to cancel the, the, the thing or you're going to start the, the eBay. I guess how I woke up that morning. Maybe. <laughs> I think if I was angry, maybe that might change things. So, all right. So yes, eBay, hear us out. Hear the voice of your people <laughs> immediate. I mean, and, and the, I, this was guaranteed to us. Do you remember that? Like we were in some of those closed door meetings at eBay open. Yeah. Well, and, part of it was supposed to be managed payments. Yeah. They said once managed payments rolled out that there would be automatic withdrawal, you know, once people accepted an offer or you sent an offer and it and it would not be an issue anymore, but unfortunately, that has not followed through. Yeah, we're not. And actually, the one time at the seller event, I put a question on there. I it got completely ignored. No one answered it. Yeah, and and the reason they gave us for not doing it that was, is, I thought it was a good reason at the time. Yeah, but well, it was it's not. Was that you know when eBay first started, kind of the the culture of eBay was they weren't collecting or handling the money at all. People would send checks. They would they handled the the finances on their own. eBay kind of just facilitated the the trade. So they were kind of saying like, this is the culture of eBay is we're not the ones that are managing the payments, but now they have this thing literally called managed payments. <laughs> so we love you eBay, by the way, we do love eBay, but it's just, 
I mean, they were telling us that it was a relic from the past when people used to send in checks and money orders. Okay. Yeah, maybe like a decade ago. That that maybe I don't even think that was the case a decade ago. Who's sending money orders in 2011 yeah. or 20 or 2010? It's true. I don't know. So. Handful of people who I mean, if that's the culture again, they're, they're looking at their clientele. If most of their people on the platform are still writing checks that tells you something about their uh, the <laughs> the clientele of eBay. But I think it's changed. I'm not right? sure that's the case. <laughs> and if you're wanting to, if you're wanting to be the compete and gain the younger crowd, which I think we're probably going to talk about in, in several of these things, is the reason why we want eBay to innovate is because we love eBay so much. And we think eBay's made a lot of moves in the right direction on a lot of things. Uh, we just don't want to see eBay get lost in the crowd with other platforms that really we don't like as much, uh, but are getting the younger crowd because you know we want eBay to be successful. All right. So this next one's a pretty simple one. I just, I thought all the time I get these messages you know, like, and you don't even see it, right? You'll get the you get the offer from someone, and those you know they'll send their offer. Let's say it's fifty dollars, and then the you know the small print right there, it'll say fifty fifty dollars plus free shipping. And if you're busy, you just see fifty bucks. And you're like, you, you hit accept offer, and then you're like, wait, did that say free shipping? So then you have to go back to your messages, and you have to go like, oh, it said free shipping. All right, now I have to contact the buyer and I have to say, hey, listen, I'm willing to accept fifty dollars, but I can't do free shipping. Right. And it would be nice if there was an option, I think, on the buyer side and the seller side where the buyer could, you know, put a counter offer or they could, you know, when they send an offer, they could be an option like a little box that they like, you know, they click on for free shipping. I don't know if I'd want that kind of worms open. I think it's better really? if it was just on the the seller side. OK. Um, All right. Why is that? I, I don't want there to be. I don't want that to become more commonplace of people thinking that not only is the price negotiable, but the shipping cost ah, is negotiable. Okay. I see what you're right? saying. Because they might, it might just be free shipping. But what if people say like, this item is 50, I'll give you 40 and it's normally $10 shipping, but I'll pay $8 shipping, right? Like, I don't want that to be an, a part ah, of the negotiation okay. because then you're dealing with way too much. I, I do like the idea of that being uh, an option that on the, on the seller side of sending an offer back or sending an offer to somebody and making free shipping as one of the the options. But I would imagine for the most part, if you are going to offer free shipping on an item, you've already factored that into the price. And if you're charging for the shipping, then that means that that you probably don't got a lot of wiggle room on shipping anyways. Oh, I do. I got a ton. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I think about how many times you find something at the thrift store that's $5 and flip it for 100 Right. So there's plenty, there's plenty of room, but, but, you know, it, especially if it's an item that I'm just trying to move. But a lot of times that you talk about being competitive and that you should be offering free shipping on most of those kinds of items anyways. No, I, I do. I always do free shipping on first class. Anything that is not first class, I don't do free shipping. So anything that is, you know, more than a pound, it's calculated shipping or it's flat rate shipping. It's one or the other. I charge shipping on all of it. So, but I see what you're saying, but I, I have plenty of room. I mean, how many, you know, I, even today I sold a hat, you know, it was free shipping, but let's say a pair of shoes, right? I sold a pair of shoes for $60 plus shipping. Had they offered me, you know, hey, can we do $60 free shipping? Probably would have gone for it still because I only paid $10 for the pair of shoes. Yeah. To me, I just think though, if, and again, like we- Let, let us know in the comments. W would you, do you have enough inventory that you have room and you have movement to be able to do free shipping if it guarantees you a sale? But my thought process is on that. If if that's the case, that you can offer the free shipping at that price or a better price anyways, you're going to be more competitive just offering the free shipping right off the bat. It's true. It's true. But I, I don't like offering the free shipping right off the bat, right? Because it ends up, I, you know, I like the free shipping because I like the clean knowing that, hey, they paid for the shipping. I don't have to, I don't have to like mark up my prices even more. Right. I mean, I mark up stuff, you know, all the time. Cause you're not marking it up for the sake of marking it up. You're marking it up for the sake of the value. Right. So let's say it's a rain spooner shirt. It's a Christmas one They're You know, they go for a hundred dollars, you know, it's $7. I do charge for those. I do charge uh padded priority shipping because of the insurance, right? I get a hundred dollars free insurance for shipping priority. So I won't do free shipping on that. But if somebody said, and I get people on my store, hey, if you want to offer me, you know, like 80 to 90 free shipping, go for it. If you find my store, I'm open to it. Let me know. But what I'm saying is, yeah, I'm willing to make that movement because I probably got that shirt for seven to $10 and I have that wiggle room. Now, does it make me more competitive if I do free shipping? Possibly. But I also like the idea that I do find that people that pay up for stuff don't worry about paying for shipping. 
right? And usually people looking for free shipping, they're usually the people that buy my zero to $50 stuff. I don't find that people above that are like, oh, uh, it's, de- it's a deal breaker if you have shipping, you know? Now, what's a way to fix that, right? What do you do? What do, what do you do if somebody says, hey, free shipping, you're willing to go with it? Let's say you were to go with it. What do you, what do, you do? Um, you just come down to a round number, right? You come to what the value of the, the product is. If if I know I need to make $50 and I was okay. charging 65 plus $5 shipping and they say, I'll give you, you know, whatever, but I need free shipping. I'm going to just include that in. Like if I'm, if I'm charging $10 for shipping, then I'll take $10 off the price and that'll be technically free shipping. But, but I have a, a set number that I'm willing to take for that. And so... I'll lower my total price, but I'll include the shipping. So I'll keep the shipping at $10. I'll just lower that price down to total you're paying yeah, so X amount, up. right? So so that's all you, you really have to do is you just got to consider here's the amount you're going to pay. So if they say, I'll pay you 50 plus free shipping, you, you could say, well, you know, I'll, I'll bring it down to 40 with $10 shipping. It's the same thing. So there's that option. Then the second option is, let's say you hit that accept button. You can just message them, say, hey, by the way, I'm going to send you an invoice that reflects the free shipping. So you go to your invoice on the shipping, on the shipping, you know, the little window, you just put zero dollars and in the little box, you know, thank you for your purchase. Please notice the shipping has been reduced to zero dollars and you send the invoice and then they pay. That seems like more work to me. It depends. It depends how quickly get, they get back to you. Like sometimes I've had it where they say free shipping and like I'll message them. They never get back to me. But if I send the invoice, they'll pay the invoice right away. Because the invoice, I guess, means more business than getting a random message. But don't they have to buy it for you to send the invoice? Yeah, but they don't have to pay. So they can buy it, but I can change the price of it in the invoice. Right? So if we agree on free shipping, I can go to the invoice and I can change the shipping to $0 and send that invoice. And instead of paying the shipping price with it, they just pay the invoice price. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like one more step to me to send an invoice. I would, I think to, to me, it would make more sense of saying, I'm just going to reduce $7.99 from the cost of the item in order to pay for the shipping, right? Like that's going to be the, your free shipping. Is I'll Like just you, you mean that. your counter offer? Yeah. Yeah, see, I won't counter offer. Because usually counter offers, like, and from my experience, I would say like one out of 10 counter offers actually end up working out. Like usually when you send the, at least my experience has been once you send a counter offer, it's gone forever. Like you, people ignore it. They, they, but if you hit accept, you're holding them to that sale, right? There, there's, there's no turning back. But if you send a counter offer, they can change their mind. They can be like, you know, on second thought, never mind. But if you accept the offer, right, you hold them to it. Then you send the invoice and now it means business. Yeah. Fair that's why I do that. So yeah, it's good. All right. Uh, do you want to jump on one? Of the, I, I'm just saying, let's just jump all around here. This oh man, we no better order. we better keep track then. Which <laughs> know, ones we, uh, You'll be the master key. So we did the first three. All right, which one of these do you like here? Um, okay, maybe this one. Maybe you have a different uh, thing that you want to talk about on it. But uh, okay. transparency and billing. Uh, one of the things that that I'm noticing right now that's a little bit of a, a frustration is you can see your 90 day total, which is nice, uh, but you don't see how much money unless you go on the computer and you look on the computer on the app itself, you can't see how much money is pending on eBay, what your expected payout is, any of those numbers. You have to look at that on the computer. Well, even this, the invoice, like this is the frustrating one. So I'm showing Mike, when you go on the desktop on the left, it says your total funds and on the right, your invoice. I wish you could just click on invoice, right? But instead you have to go on the left side here and you have to go to expenses. Mm. And then you're just in this world of, thousands of items yeah right? well and that's where it's it, that's where it's a little frustrating because like on the app on the app side whereas before it was like paypal you just knew like you could just look in your paypal and see how much money you had in paypal whereas now with this before you get the payments like sometimes you get a payment from ebay and you're like wow that was a lot of money that i you know got this <laughs> yeah. time and then like the next payment you get you're like well that seems really low and then you have to like go in and figure it out as opposed to just seeing like exactly on the app how much money you have from each item in this time period when it's going to be paid out, it, it's, I don't know, to me, it's just a little bit, it's, it's a little frustrating. I feel like, and I know that there are still a lot of people that they use the computer for almost everything. And I do think that, that for the most features for listing and running a store, but I would say probably most of the buyers on eBay are using the app. App is going to be the future of eBay for, uh, you know, most of the people coming onto the platform are going to be using just the app. And so I think, just including those types of features on the app would be really, really helpful as opposed to bearing it on the computer where you have to go and click on a, a million different buttons to find. I agree. And, and you know, the, the difficulty is too, is that 
you know, a lot of people, I think we can mark off some of these that were saying, I wish eBay just took out the money right away, which they do, but like promoted listings and, you know, even, even the FedEx invoice, right. You don't get charged until the end of the month about shipping. And I know it's because FedEx has to weigh it and so on, but it, I still can't hundred percent grasp my numbers. Like even when I go to the sales report, so if you go to Seller Hub and you go to your sales report, it breaks it down more. It breaks it down between the taxes you paid, uh, the shipping fees, your net profit. It does all that. But I don't know. I just feel like it's still convoluted. I just wish I could see it like right off the bat. Like you, like you said, click on the item and it tells you everything. Right. And it should be like automatic. And so I don't know. I'm, you know, because sometimes I get that. I, I see that invoice and I'm like, like right now I owe, I owe you know, several hundred dollars and I'm like. I don't know what I'm paying. I'm guessing it's right. I know because I, I, I would say when I first started reselling, I used to look at everything. And then I would always I would like contact eBay. and I'm like, hey, I think this is wrong. And they're like, actually, it's right. If you look here, that happened like five times. And by the time the fifth time, I was like, I'm done challenging this. Like, yep. yeah, so this goes both sides, right? Like, so you're talking specifically billing, like how much you owe eBay. Mm-hmm. And I think what I was talking about, and I think it's connected is how much eBay is paying you, uh, right? Like both okay. of those things. So how much money is eBay going to be paying out? And instead of just looking at a 90 day total on your app, like that really doesn't tell you anything because again, like how long until this payment comes, how big is that payment going to be? I think those things should be seeing your next payout is going to be this amount for these items, right? It should just be really easy to see that way, you know, did I get enough? Why was this one so small? And unless you're constantly looking at, at the, at the desktop version and, and paying attention to those things, it should just be more obvious. I think that the point of that 90 day total, I mean, the fact that it was originally 60, right? I know, but it's such an obnoxious number. That's the thing is like they, I think it's, I think it's a psychological thing that like by showing you a 90 day total instead of the 60 day total, you're seeing a higher number, right? You had, even if your business stays flat, you just saw a 50% increase in your number. Well, I'll give you an example. Like right now I'm making about two to three grand less than I was making the previous, uh, whatever 90 day total I had 30 days ago. And I was like stressing out. I'm like, what's going on? Like, you know, am I dip? Because my bills are getting paid. I, I'm making more money than I need. Like, I'm good. And then what I noticed was I had a lot of items that had major shipping costs during the 30 day total. Like, one item cost $100, another item cost 50 another item cost 80 And this last go around, I was selling a lot, a lot of clothing that was free shipping. So it didn't factor into that number. Yeah. So, I mean, it is, it's just, it's, it's just hard to see right off the bat what's going on. Yeah. I I feel like if you're, if you look at a lot of programs, like we obviously have a YouTube channel and it's really easy to just change what you're looking at, right? You could say like, what is the, what is the audience retention on this video for the last 28 days? What about the last seven days? What about the last 365 days? And so you should be able to just change it to, I want to see 30 days and you should be able to change it from not just like a gross number but a adjusted number, now like a net number. You can do some of that with the sales report. Right. Well, but I, but that's what I'm saying. Though, but it's like I, multiple clicks to get there. Like you have and to And on do a research. desktop, I'm saying yeah. that stuff should yeah. be on the app. Like you should just, oh, yeah. you should just easily be able to click the drop down and see what number do you want to see? Oh, I want to see my, my net profit after eBay expenses, after eBay fees and after shipping fees. Right. And boom, it should just pop up there. Well, that there. goes into the next conversation of like, I wish there was a lot more functionality on the app in comparison to the desktop. Now, eBay has done a lot, right? We have send offers, right? We have, uh, you know, the ability of people to counter offer and send the offers. I mean, the, you know, the global shipping program, international standards delivery, like eBay has done excellent. There's a lot of good things, but there, there's some of these things like, you know, I agree with you. Like, it, you know, it, it's frustrating to me that for me to see like the sales report, I have to go to help in the app. Then I have to type in seller hub and then when I get to that, there's a little blue button and I click and hit seller hub. And then I got to click on stuff in this small screen. And then sometimes like it, it like goes away and I have to restart the process. Right. Or if I try to log in, have you tried to log in via uh, Chrome on your phone? Uh, no. Like, like onto the desktop onto app the on desktop, your phone? Yeah. I think I've like one time because I needed something. But yeah, I mean, just in it general. It never gets you to where you want to yeah, go. Des- desktop on, on a, on a, a phone is is typically not very very efficient but it, it but it'd be nice if it just went to the desktop what it does it went goes into this mobile mode and then depending on which click which link you click on on seller hub sometimes it'll go to the desktop and then it'll jump back into mobile 
And they're like, what? No, I want the desktop. So you refresh the page, you find, or you go back and you hit that link again. And then you have to find like another shortcut. So especially like my account, like I try to get to invoices, right? This is the other thing I was going to talk about here. I wish I could send invoices, right? And it goes with the offer. Like sometimes if I agree to a free shipping, I would love it if on my phone, I could just right there, I could choose to send an invoice right away. Or if a person hasn't paid on my app, I could send a friendly invoice and just say, hey, with payment, I'm willing to ship this right away, you know, and you just click send the invoice. But that option isn't there. Mm. Right. But it's I will say it is it is a jumbled mess. Like sometimes, <laughs> oh, man, this is a rant session. But if you ever gotten the messages and you try to look at the messages or what they're talking about and then you click on it and then it makes you log in. And you're like, what? Oh, yeah. like, why? Why am I logging in again? Like yep. I was in the app. Like what, what? Like I don't understand. And then you log in, and it doesn't even go to the app. It goes to some random mobile eBay. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is this? Where, where am I? Like what is going on? And it just you spend you know all this time like trying to navigate that where it was a very simple like, hey, I just want to see the details of this transaction. I want to see what's going on here. So, anyways, I think we're gonna talk more about that after our hustle of the week because there's a lot more. I think we can talk about the functionality that we wish the app had that you can do on this stuff. You go with that? Yeah. Except for, I mean, I don't know if we want to go into like everything. I think just in general, just saying like more what? desktop functionality. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about some of these. Right. I mean, yeah. but all right. Hey, before we move on though, uh, if you haven't had a chance yet to sign up for our sponsorship of our podcast, go to pure, I almost said pure hustle coffee. So go to buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle. That's buy me a coffee. Yeah. You know, no one's going to sponsor us now. Yeah. All because I fumbled the words. Yeah, good, good, uh, good fumble there. I need coffee. Thanks, man. I have no, look. I have no diet do now. I ran out of diet do now. Now you know because because you didn't have your diet do the podcast is falling apart. I know. See, that's why we need you, <laughs> our our loyal listeners, to help support Orlando's diet do habit because without the diet do. He's just not Orlando. There we go. So go to buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle, or you can go to the link below on YouTube or go to the link in our bios, both on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and Twitter. Did I say both? And I listed four, four things. That's all right. That makes sense. Okay. Hey, also, if you're not following us on social media, we are Pierce podcast on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. We are also Pierce cast on Twitter. You can always give us a call, 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. Hey, if you want to send us any kind of message that you want us to play on the live, as long as it's appropriate, uh, send us a message. You know, maybe the way the podcast impacted you, maybe, you know, uh, some things you'd like to see in the future or just a cool story you want to share. That would be pretty awesome to hear on our 201 episode. Uh, you can also shoot us an email at podcast at gmail.com. That's podcast at gmail.com. And as always, if you're listening to the podcast and you want to watch us on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button and that bell notification. Uh, we want to, you know, it'd be nice to be at 5K by the end of the year. It'd be nice to be like to 10K, but, you know, I'll take 5K end of the year uh, and subscribe because you never know when we're dropping videos. And as always, the reviews on iTunes are super helpful. They definitely allow our reach to be greater. So thank you so much, those of you that have written a review. And if you haven't, we strongly encourage you to do so. And uh, last of all, as always, you can help sponsor us. Buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle. And speaking of hustle, it's time for that segment. Yeah. Our favorite segment. It's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah, time for time to what I love about the hustles is not only do we get to see some awesome things that are usually just encouraging, right? Because sometimes if you've been reselling for a while and you haven't had a good hustle in a a few weeks or a month or so, just hearing other people getting them is like, yeah, they're out there. You can get them. And then too, a lot of times they end up becoming bolos. So things to to be looking out for. These are all bolos. So our first one comes from, uh, is it, is it? It's Petra. Petra. So Petra, IG handle at... Uh, caramelized cat or is it caramelized caramelized uh, bought two Cincy oil warmers at a yard sale for $3 each nice Cincy was the thing for a while man that was like the MLM that was like popping uh, so uh, for $3 each wanted to keep them but after looking up comps saw that they were too valuable due to being limited edition sold one for $50 plus shipping and the other one for $150 plus 
shipping. That just goes to show, I mean, I, I think the reason why, and I think since we've never actually brought that up as a, as a bolo, I don't think in the past, which I think this is good that we're bringing it up now, is I know a lot of people who sold Cincy or who were into Cincy. My wife was really into Cincy for a long time, like like having, she liked the smells. And so we had the warmer with the- And, and that's what the tea, right? Cincy? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, no, no, not tea. Yeah, there's a tea, yeah. Oh, you're talking about the way it's spelled? Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant like what, what got put into it. Oh, no, 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 it's, no, like, no. it's like little <laughs> wax things. Uh, but if you're if you're really into those, if your bulb goes out, if the one you had breaks or even certain smells, People really like the smell that they're into or the warmer that they have. And if it's hard to f- come across those because if every person in the world isn't selling Cincy anymore and you actually have to go out and like look on eBay or Amazon to find limited edition, you know, versions of it. So, yeah, I think this is a great bolo and a great hustle of the week. And I love the fact that you wanted to keep them, but you were willing to sell them. And I think that happens to all of us resellers. It's like, oh, I'll keep this myself. Ooh, this actually sells more than I thought it would. So always look those things up, even if you're planning on keeping it yourself, because it might be worth selling. Well, let me read these. These were interesting. So the one that sold for 50 was a Scentsy Wax Melt Warmer, One Nation Under God, Patriotic one for 50 bucks. And then the other one was super interesting. It was a Scentsy Frog in a Well Element Warmer, uh, limited edition, 2010, Vin- almost half vintage. So... Interesting. I, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk about, I pass up Scentsy all the time at garage sales. Maybe I need to keep an eye now. So thank you so much, Petra Caramelized Cat. Appreciate it. She's been a listener since I think like day one. Nice. So it's awesome. All right. Next, this is an anonymous source on Instagram. So usually I wouldn't put an anonymous person on, anonymous, oh my goodness, anonymous person on here, but I thought this was good. Remember we were talking about Pogs the other day? Mm-hmm. And we're like, what if Pogs, they're like, I think, one of the most worthless things of the late 90s, early 2000s. It was an awesome game, man. It was awesome. But the resale value, I'm just like, what? And so they listened to our podcast. And so they hit us up in the DMs and they said, hey, by the way, they do sell. So this individual bought an 18-gallon tote of Pogs at an estate sale. That's massive. That's like... yeah. Big as this table almost. 18 gallons? No. Yeah, 18 gallons? Yeah, it's like like this. <laughs> Those of you watching the podcast know, can't see it. Those How much are the, the black ones? Those are like 30 gallons, right? Or 40 I gallons? think it's 27. Does that say 27 gallon? I can see it over there. Does it say 27? Maybe. Okay, anyways, it's still big. It's a, No, it's a good sized tote. Okay. Sure. So 18 gallon tote of Pogs in a state sale last year for $60. Just out of pure nostalgia, right? And we, I do that sometimes. Like I'll find stuff from the 90s that... I don't even look up and I'm like, this is cool. Maybe I'll keep this. So picked it up, decided to sell them in lots. And I always, always say sell things in lots, whether it's Legos, uh, whether it's, you know, I'll share my hustle of the week because I did it in a lot and I ended up making good money on it. So selling a lot. So anyways, got about 14 regional A boxes. Do you use regional A boxes or any of those regional boxes? I don't think so. I feel like I'm a lower standard reseller. Like I've never bothered with those. Let me know in the comments. Is Orlando a lower standard reseller? Like, have have I have I lost respect in reselling community by not using regional boxes? I just wonder. So, anyways, I, I haven't taken the time to learn them, but hey, at least I'm being real. Okay, so got fourteen of them. Fourteen of them sold within four to five months. All of them for about thirty dollars plus shipping. So if you do the math, right, thirteen. Let's say you know fourteen. Times 30, we're talking about with shipping and everything, because some of them went for like 35 and somewhere around there. So about $450 plus shipping. So 60 to 450 in pogs. In pogs. Now there's, there were some cool slammers in there. Yeah, right. There's different, right? Right. There's the paper ones, and then the slammers are the ones that flip them, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to remember that. That's like, oh, that's, remember, I'm 41. You're like a decade younger than me. So my memory is not as great as yours. So, okay. All right. Keep an eye. That's Bolo. New Bolo Pogs. Yeah, Pogs. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. Hey, everyone. Ever found yourself too busy to list or wanting to scale and not knowing how? Well, we've partnered with a great service called Sellhound. They will help you do much of the heavy lifting and can benefit your business in many ways. Sign up for listing services with Sellhound and receive 25% off your first purchase or 25% off your first month of a Sellhound monthly subscription. You can do this by using our promo code 
All in caps, Pure Hustle 25. That's the numbers, 25. By the way, everyone gets three free listings to try out before any purchases. Just go to sawhound.com and subscribe using our promo code Pure Hustle 25. So Orlando and I are always looking out for tools and programs that can be used in our own reselling to help improve our sales uh, and things that we can share with the community in order to help others. Uh, And we've been lucky enough to partner with two companies here at the same time uh, that we think do just that. So it's kind of interesting because both of these companies are competition. So, uh, you know, but this is a good thing that we're advertising both, I feel, because we are really, really big on letting you make decisions and not saying like, this is the way you should do things because you know, you know, what's best for your model of selling and what you need to be doing. Uh, so we've been able to partner with list perfectly and Vindu. And both of these are programs that can be used to cross list postings on multiple platforms. This is great because we always talk about the importance of being on multiple platforms and not putting all of your eggs into one basket. But one of the barriers to that is the time issue. And the nice thing with List Perfectly and Vindu is it allows you to make one listing that then gets cross-posted to multiple platforms. So you're not having to post things multiple places and spend that time. And in this case, that time saved is money you're making. So both of these companies have a special offer for our listeners if you were to sign up. Um, you need to sign up using the affiliate links that we have in our descriptions or show descriptions in order to get the uh, promotional codes. Uh, so first of all, is List Perfectly. They're giving 30% off your first month, which is amazing. And they've got some incredible things that they they offer. So uh, for instance, your postings go to eBay, they go to Mercari, Depop, Grail, Etsy, Poshmark. There's just so many. You got to check it out. There's almost too many to list here. Um, and so if you sign up, you get 30% off, but you have to use our... our link and then use the code LP30. And then the other one is Vindu. Vindu is very similar. Uh, You're going to get 25% off your first month if you use our affiliate link. You don't have to use a promo code. Just click on the link in the description. Uh, And your your listings are going to go to eBay. They're going to go to Etsy. They're going to go to Poshmark. They're going to go to Mercari. So this is just a great opportunity for you to save some time, get on multiple platforms, and maybe make some more money. I heard somebody today talking about Yu-Gi-Oh cards coming back. Um, no. What are your thoughts about that? Not Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, <laughs> You're like, no. No, no I think, I mean, because the, the three big ones are, are Pokemon, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, and Magic. And Yu-Gi-Oh's just never had the same kind of following because it doesn't have the same competitive uh, scene uh-huh. as like Magic has. And it doesn't have the same nostalgia as Pokemon. Now, Yu-Gi-Oh still show, kids watch it. That They'll do okay, but I don't think they'll ever, it won't ever have that huge kind of comeback of of of. Pokemon, I don't think. And um, it doesn't have that same cult following as Magic the Gathering. And Magic the Gathering is one of those things where the right cards are still, there's tons of money there, but there's a lot of junk cards and you're looking at decades of of sets that have been released. And so you really have to know your niche to get in there. So um, it's not quite the same with Yu-Gi-Oh! There's not as many sets, but I know, I I won't get into the competitive scene of Yu-Gi-Oh! But um, I I just don't think it'll be I don't think it'll have the same. I just thought I'd throw it out there. I just want to hear your thoughts. Uh, So the next one comes from Manny IG handle at JBKS underscore. underscore. Repeat hustle of the week. Noticed an odd pair looking style of shoes that caught his eye because of the nylon. So he paid $5 for them at a thrift store and saw used listings for 120 to 190 bucks, but noticed the pictures weren't great. So decided to take really good pictures and list higher. So sold a pair of fear of God military sneakers for $220 plus shipping. Nice. That's a good, I mean, five bucks to 220. I think that's, I mean, I've had some good uh, sales of shoes, like where I paid a couple bucks and have sold for a hundred or more. Uh, But I don't know if I've had one that have sold for $220 for a pair of shoes that I picked up for that cheap. So that's an amazing hustle. So good job, Manny. And the interesting thing about fear of God, military sneakers, they don't, they don't look special. I mean, they are kind of like hype beast. I hope I'm saying that right. But you know, I'll show my, I mean, like they look like, you know, you ever have those like shoes that are trying to look expensive, but they're cheap. Mm. Like that's what they look like to me. Mm. Right. And then I'm like, fear of God shoes. So I went on a couple of websites and I look at these shoes like $400 for cheap shoes. I mean, cheap looking shoes. Like, I guess it's, I guess maybe celebrities wear them. Yeah. I feel so ignorant about some of the stuff. Like I, I know about Supreme. I know about Nike. I know about collaboration and so on, but this was a new one for us. So Manny, thanks for sharing your flip there because now I'm going to be keeping an eye out yeah. for Bolo for the fear of God shoes. Fear of God. Yeah. So, okay. All right. What is your hustle of the week? So, um, 
I was at a Salvation Army a while back and they were having a special. I, I don't think I picked up very many things from the store. I think I had a pretty empty cart, uh, but the they had this thing, I think it was called Spot or something at the Salvation Armies around us. And every time you went, you could put in your phone number and you'd get deals. And so I had like a deal that was buy two books, get two free or something like that. So I was like, I'm just going to look through the books. So I spent some time looking through the books. I only found like two or three that were valuable, but I picked them up and finally got them listed. And within a few days of listing one, it sold for about 50 bucks. So I'd say I probably paid 25 to 50 cents for this book. Uh, And it was a textbook style book. I mean, it isn't your typical like high school or, or college textbook, but more of a probably a college level reading book that that students would read. So it was a really pretty thick book. Uh, and I think it was called something to the effect of like, uh, it was like the black book of communism or something. And it was like the history of communism. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, gone. Right yeah. it's gone. It's, it's gone. It's gone. Yeah, it's our sold. last podcast. Yeah. So, so, and, and it sold for $50. So it's kind of cool to have a book like that, that you pick up for so inexpensive because I haven't had a ton of success with books. I mean, I, I take that back. I have had good success with books, uh, but I don't look at them very often. I don't find tons of of valuable textbooks. So I don't spend lots of time scanning books. Uh, I've found some at garage sale sets of books that I've sold for decent money, but this is probably the most I've sold a single book for that I've gotten for inexpensive. I have sold like a set of 007 unopened uh, books that, you know, for well over a hundred dollars, that was a cool find. Yeah. The Churchill books. I had the Churchill books that sold for, I don't know, it was like 50 or 60 or something like that, uh, which was a cool find because I only paid a few dollars for it. But this was cool because it was my first like textbook style book find and sell, which I think now that I had that, I'm going to spend a little bit more time just glancing through books because they're pretty easy to spot. If it looks just like a typical fiction book uh, or, you know, a, a typical mass produced book, probably not as valuable, but uh, yeah, the one we picked up, it, 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 it works. So you can kind of notice you, you can spot those. And I don't think I'm ever going to end up going back to scanning. Cause I tried that for a while of like scanning books uh, and paying for the, the program. And I had a whole box of books that you know, I'd make a few dollars on each if I sent them to Amazon, but that's just not the game I want to get into. So I think I will stick to just quickly glancing and seeing if I see the the textbook style books. And if you find any that are worthwhile, you know, the, they don't take up tons of space if you have only a handful. And I would say a 40 to $50 profit on one item is definitely worth it. Yeah. Interesting. You just never know with books. Yeah. I mean, that's why people, that's why I always say when you do FBA, when you want to start FBA, start with books. Because yes, it's a lot of work because you have to sort out through a lot of junk, but your cost is super cheap, super cheap. I always wonder, should I go back to books? So, all right. So mine, mine was an interesting one. It's, it's one of those where you go to garage sales and you don't know how valuable what you have is. Now I'm not saying this is a home run out the park, like huge, but I, I enjoyed this one and this is why I enjoyed it. So there was there was like this charity garage sale and they did it like at four locations in our neighborhood. And the first stop I went to, I sold a lot of stuff already. Like I picked up a puzzle for a dollar, sold that for 35. I picked up a super soaker for a dollar and I've gotten offers for 35, but I'm holding out till I get like 50 to 65 on it. Uh, I got a keyboard. I got a bunch of other stuff. Now, the one thing I picked up was a Thomas the Train Duplo set. Now it was already opened and I hate open Legos, like I'll sell them in lots all the time, but it was $7. And I saw comps on there were 40 to 50 bucks. I'm like, all right, you know, this is worth my time, right? Because it's Duplo. It's not like Lego, like Duplo is like only so many pieces, right? So this one only had about 66 pieces, but you know, I was, I was lagging on it, but you know, I had some people DM me like, oh, that thing's going to sell. There's, you know, there's a cult following for Thomas the train. I didn't know that. So is your son into Thomas the train? No, he loves trains and we're getting him train stuff, but we're kind of, we find that show annoying. So we just don't want to like get him into, cause we don't want to watch it. I have so much Thomas to train stuff. Like I probably should list that stuff. It's sitting in the closet that my son doesn't play anymore. Yeah. So I took this Duplo and as I'm counting them out, I'm like, wait, there's more pieces that are in the box. So it came in a box of a set, but what I noticed is it had other characters. So I had, I guess Percy's one of them and I forget what the other guy's name is. Uh, so as I'm going through this, I'm like, huh, this is, this is more than I'm actually thinking I picked up. So I begin to look and even the train. So even if you had James, I think James is the green one or the red one. And if you had Percy, like those by themselves go for $30. Wow. And I'm like, interesting. So what I did is like, you know what? I'm going to lot these all up. I'm going to pull them up. I'm going to say, Hey, it's set this. 
Plus, it comes with Troublesome Truck, James, and Percy, 80 plus total pieces. So I listed it high. I think I listed it like a 134 or one, something like that. Well, within a few days, boom, instant sale. It was on sale. And it I paid $7, by the way, $7 for this whole set. And it sold for $106 plus shipping. So I was happy yeah, with that. Bolo. That is, that is a bolo. I, who, who would have thought? I'm telling you, though, those some of those Duplo sets, like I, I've sold Batman ones before. I it, it just it depends. Obviously, do your research. But they're a lot easier to list because they're big, clunkier pieces. So it's not as much work as a regular Lego set. Yeah. And I can see why people would pay up for those things, too, because uh, my son, we we bought... I think he got for like a Christmas present or a birthday present from somebody. It was like a big bag of the like mega, I think they're mega blocks, maybe they're duple. I don't know, but those big, you know, mm-hmm. and he, on the back of it was a picture of like a train set one. And whenever we'd pull out that bag and start building stuff, oh, he'd always yeah. point at it and say, I want the train. I want the train. I want the train. Build the train. And it's like, we don't have the pieces for the train. And, <laughs> and we, we looked store after store and we couldn't find it. And we saw them on Amazon. They were relatively expensive. But That's one day rough. we were walking through Walmart and we saw it and it was on sale. And we're like, we're getting a train. Like, we need to be able to nice. build this train for my son. So, yeah, if your kid is, they maybe seen an ad or they really like that show or they've got another one, they've seen that picture on the back of a box and they want that. They want that. They, you know, or maybe it's a collector, right? And it's somebody who collects Thomas the Train stuff. I mean, I'm sure there's some adults out there that have got a room full of Thomas the Train. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, but that was the thing with the set. So, on the back of this box, it actually shows showed the other sets and it showed the different characters. So that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Somebody said, hey, why am I going to go searching when I have everything I need right here? Mm-hmm. So, so it worked out. So that was my hustle of the week. Nice. All right. Are we ready for some more of these? Yeah, let's do it. I got one that um, I, I kind of understand where they're coming from, but I think I, I have a different way of, of presenting it. So one of these says an option to pay up for concierge service. And I think I don't like that idea. Okay. I don't like the idea of of just being able to pay for it. Cause I, I feel like eBay in a lot of ways is already nickel and diming. You want this service, you pay for it. You want this service, you pay for it. You want this, you pay for it. You want more listings, you pay for it. And I don't want to give them like more freedom of, and if you want to, if you want your phone to be answered earlier, you could pay for it. And if you want to have this option, you have to pay for well, it. I think why somebody put that was because remember, like the only way you can get concierge is if they specially select you. Right. Or if you went to eBay, eBay open. open. Yeah. And I get that. And I understand the desire for it. But my my alternative, as opposed to just saying it's something you pay for, is it should be it should just be given to people who have a good standing. So if you have if you're a high rated seller or a top rated seller or you have met certain metrics, or you've proven that you've been able to handle customer issues without having to go to them, then you're just, you're given it. And it could be something that, you know, if you get close to losing, like you get messages like, Hey, you're, you're beginning to drop and there's like a warning level. Like you have too many, you know, uh, cases open against you, or you have too many returns or you have too many of this. Um, and they give you like a buffer, a timeframe, but I think it should just be something given to the best sellers and not necessarily just like the, the, the sellers who make the most money for eBay. Cause I understand that those that are their number one customers are the people who are, you know, doing millions of dollars a month or a year in sales. But I think as it should be a, a reward to the people who are really, really doing well, because the people, when you use concierge service, it's because that one off time where it's like, this is a freak incident that's happened and I have a good reputation and I want to make sure I don't have this negative thing impact me. And so if you've already proven yourself as a good person, they should just be saying, Hey, we want to, we want to take care of our good sellers and keep them happy. Now, somebody disagree, but I do feel that the longer you've been selling eBay, the less you call. Yeah. Just because, you know, there's some things you're just like, I'm not going to battle this. Like it's not worth my time. Right. You know, I may get this return. Well, I I already know what to do. I've been selling for a while, so I'll just partial refund them. Right. Or if this person wants to cancel, I don't know. Like, I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of new sellers that call eBay a lot because they don't know how to do so. They they may go to YouTube and they don't get the answer. And eventually they're like, you know what? I'm just going to call eBay. So I I think there's a lot of merit in having a meritocracy Mm -hmm. in the sense that, you know, if you're a top rated seller, right, you have consistent good seller metrics and and maybe it's also like a measurement of like, how often do you call, right? If you're calling all the time, maybe you're not the right person, right? Because it's going to tie up the lines. So I, I think I think there's value to that. I mean, I, I just, you know, I have I made the argument at one time, I remember on the podcast, that it should be the an equal service for everyone. But I disagree with that now. I know, man, hopefully we don't get thumbs down for me saying that. Well, yeah, I mean, it, they should just offer their best service to everybody possible. 
But if they're again, like, like anything else, if, if, if you're a person who never calls or you have great standing and you had a, a weird freak incident happen, you definitely want to make sure you get in contact with the people who are going to take care of that. But like the concierge, I feel when I call concierge and I feel bad because a, a lot of our listeners haven't, but I do feel that they are like recent, like they actually know what I'm talking about. Like, oh yeah. Like the other day, the other day I had somebody, I, somebody, I sold something to someone and right after, right before they paid, they sent me a message. They're like, this better be the way you described it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, what? Like, seriously? So I called eBay. And I'm like, hey, listen, I hardly ever call and I've never had this situation. But on this one, is there any way that I can cancel this? Just because I don't trust this buyer. Like, I, you, you, and they're like, oh, yeah, we see that you have, you know, uh, over 2,000, you know, 100% positive feedback. You're a top rated seller. Like, I... I totally understand. Like you're just not, you know, coming out of nowhere asking me this question. And he's like, hey, you know, for me, you know, he used the word spidey sense. This is my spidey sense would come on. And yeah, I would be, this would be a red flag for me. I'd like, I like to cancel this, but unfortunately there's no, there's nothing we can do. The best thing you can do is take the high road message them back and say, Hey, listen, if you're uncomfortable, I'm well, you know, you're welcome to ask for cancellation or, you can refund, you can send it back for a full refund and everything's all good. So he, he advised me to do that. So if anything does go down that eBay has my back, right? But that individual, I really felt that he understood. Cause sometimes I remember when I didn't have concierge, I'd call and I'm like, are mm -hmm. we like, have you like ever bought anything on eBay? Like who, who are you? Right. And that, that hasn't happened much, but I agree with you. So how do you get around this? Right. Cause I'm also, I'm not, I'm not trying to make this a rant session. The best, I think equal access opportunity for everyone is, and I've said this multiple times, Facebook, eBay for business messenger. So you go to eBay for business, you message them via Facebook and they have very qualified, very like detailed answers when they get back to you. They do an excellent job and they get back to you. Usually it's been like less than eight hours for me. So it's, it's been just as good as if I contacted concierge and sometimes it's actually been possibly better. So check that out. All right. You want me to pick one now? Do you, are you yeah, marking I'll these? Mark. Cause I, yeah. I haven't marked anything. All right. Uh, <laughs> when I'm trying to find which one I don't want to pick one that has no solution. Oh, I like this one. This might be the one we, we end on today. We'll see how long we go on this one. So somebody had said, It'd be great if they had the same stats as Amazon. So if items had ranking and if they told you how many sellers are on a listing, what are your thoughts on that? Um, yes and no. The hard part is eBay because it's a different type of platform because it's one thing if you're, if you're selling like something that, that has a SKU number and you're selling new in box, I think you can get those types of metrics. But just because you're selling a certain type of shirt, you're selling a, a Harley shirt, mm -hmm. and maybe there's three other people with similar listings or eight other people, I think it'd be impossible for them to tell what what's what what um, condition is it in. Um, does it have this? What size is it? There's just so many things that it'd be hard to have metrics on things like that, especially because a lot of things that sell on eBay are weird one-off items or they are, or they're open in box, or maybe they have a little bit of damage or you're selling it for parts. So how do you measure the difference between an item that's, um, you know, this item is good outside condition, but it doesn't work and it needs a couple parts versus this one is a little bit dinged up, but it, but it works perfectly versus this one's new in box versus this one is a slightly different model versus this one. You know what I mean? And, and well, maybe they could start somewhere like with just with new items. Maybe, but I, I wonder if it's is proprietary. It, is it, isn't like, Therapy kind of already like that though? I, it doesn't give you ranking. Like there, there's no, so the, the beauty of Amazon is that it's a guaranteed sale, right? As long as you price competitively and you're able to get the buy box, you will sell through that item. Like the, the, the ranking, unless you end up in some subcategory that you didn't know you were in, let's say in toys during Q4, if your item is less than 10,000 rank, unless something terrible happens and you get tons of people on the listing or you price it terribly, whatever, as long as you have a good amount, like you can actually, if you go to jungle scout, you can actually put the ranking and it'll tell you how many items a day are selling at that rank. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe the alternative, cause yeah, I would say 99% of the things you're picking up at a garage sale or a thrift store 
this isn't gonna gonna impact. Where it might impact is if you're going and you're buying clearance items from a, a retail store, right? You're going to Target and you're picking up a bunch of items. So you're picking up items that you think you're gonna be hot to sell on eBay, or you picked up a bunch of Nintendo Switches that you're gonna sell on eBay. But I would say if you're already the kind of person buying those types of things and you're gonna be putting 30 items on eBay, or you're p- potentially gonna be buying 30 items from a, a store, you're probably already looking up the Amazon rank. That's what we do, right? Well, that's that's what I mean. It'd be nice if we didn't have to do that, right? Because what you're saying is, you, or I, I, I don't know if you're doing this, but I scan it with the Amazon app, right? And if the ranking is low, I'm like, okay, this will sell on eBay yeah. too. So is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. And and I think, I mean, I don't know because I think there's so many other features I'd rather see eBay implement. Um, but I mean, it, it could be beneficial. But I would say most things people are selling, those aren't the they're not going to use this feature. I, I feel like it would only impact ah, a small percentage of, of, okay. of items in anybody's store at any given time. So I don't think it's super effective uh, because then again, like are they going to try and implement it for everything or just just new items, right? So if it's just new items, maybe, maybe it'd be useful. I mean, obviously the more data you have, the better. Uh, but I think you can already do some of this through Terapeak. I just think it'd be nice to see the... Um, Terapeak features on the app, right? Like we already talked about things that you can do on desktop. It'd be we'll nice to do for the next app. episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's next th- episode. Th- that's a huge conversation. But here, here's the thing I get what you're saying because sometimes, like, there's only three items, right? Like three listed, right? And you end up being the fourth person on the listing. Well, you really don't need eBay to give you that data. It's like in front of you. And then the sell through rate could be terrible. It could be like rank 3,895,481 because one hasn't sold in the last year, but now as the season is coming through, maybe it'll sell. And so it might divert some people not to source some certain items because the reality is on Amazon, it's all new items that people are quickly consuming and buying. And so it's, I think it's easier to get the rank. If it's an item that's particular, like you said, and unique, that's probably more difficult. So, yeah, or impossible. So are we debunking this innovation? Yeah, no, I just, I think, I think there's value to it. I just, I I don't know. I don't know how valuable it would be. Maybe just on the new items, but I think that it's one of those things that, yeah, it's always better if you don't have to use multiple apps, but most people aren't buying those things to sell on eBay. And if you are buying them to sell on eBay, you're doing it because you don't want to do FBA. You're not ungated in that category, which means you're probably already familiar with Amazon enough to say, is this an item that's selling? Right. And we all use different tools anyways. Like there's all these different apps, like you mentioned Jungle Scout and all of these other apps that you use to get more data anyways. Or, and and so if you know that those exist, those tools exist, um, you can use them to your advantage. And I just don't know if it would be a, a, a make or break thing on eBay. But of course, the more data, the better. I just would hate that it, I, we were already seeing it with item specifics. <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. Right. Like you already have to add more item specifics, add more item specifics. Now imagine if everything needed even more categories because they needed this data so that they can determine on the back end how fast this item is selling in a certain category, which again, how do you determine what goes in that category when you're looking at used stuff? Is it, it's a collectible golf ball, right? Does it go into the category with the new golf balls that what's the sell through rate on this? Does it look really low? Are these collector ones selling more? I don't know. I just, more data is better. I just don't want to have to be the one providing more information so they have that data. See, I think in maybe 20 years, like maybe technology at a place that that's going to be doable, right? We have no idea how AI is, you know, how far it's going to go, right? I mean, people are talking about that it's going to be the end of civilization. But I, th- I think I, th- I think our minds just can't grasp, like maybe there is a way to determine, you know, because right now, like you talked about that Netflix documentary, The Social Experiment, where like they actually track how long people like slow down something. Right. So if eBay is able to use the same kind of systems and see how long people slow down on an app. And I think they're kind of doing that with the send offers. Right. Because they talk about heavy browsing. Right. If somebody's been looking at something for about three times, I think they said within 15 minutes, it'll automatically pop up in your send offer and then you can send that individual an offer. So. Maybe the option is there. Now, like I said before, we want to make sure that we always give you the workaround on items. And so the the workaround, like we, we already mentioned, is the eBay, not the eBay app. Yes, you have the eBay app. But the workaround is the Amazon seller app. Even if you don't sell on Amazon, if you're trying to do retail arbitrage, it's very easy to check the rank. And if the rank's a good rank on Amazon, chances are it's going to sell on eBay. It may not sell as fast because it is eBay and it's not Amazon, but it will sell so fast. And the other tool you can use is Keepa.com. 
Kiba tells you like, you know, how the ranking has changed on an item. Now there is a registration fee if you want more data, but it'll also tell you how, how long Amazon's had an item in stock when Amazon goes out of stock, which when things go out of stock on Amazon, that's when the price goes up. So you can use those measurements and then see, Hey, Maybe this will help on eBay because if it's going out of stock on Amazon, well, that's also when I can raise my price on eBay. And, you know, maybe you can undercut Amazon sellers by selling your stuff on eBay for $5 less. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, all right. So we have a lot of these and we want to actually spend the quality time on that. So thank you guys for sending these. If you have any more, let us know in the comments. We want to discuss these. Uh, maybe next episode will be a little bit longer to get through a lot of these, but I think we co- we covered over half of these already. Maybe, yeah. And one with me, maybe we don't know. So hey, anyways, thank you all. Hey, there's hopefully there's workarounds. If you know of any other workarounds, let us know also in the comments. But appreciate you tuning in, and hopefully eBay will innovate more. And with that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Peace, <laughs> ladies. I got it in first. <laughs>